Hello, friends. This episode is brought to you by Choose Life. St. Jose Maria Escriva said, If you say the rosary every day with a spirit of faith and love, Our Lady will make sure she leads you very far along her son's path. Our sponsor of today's episode is a firm believer of these words. Choose Life is a small Catholic business whose mission is to equip all Catholics with rosaries for life, and they mean it. They have silicone rosaries for babies and beautiful gemstone and wooden rosary bracelets for adults. They have a rosary for everyone. The silicone rosaries are amazing because they're 100% safe and babies absolutely love them. Imagine seeing your little one totally loving on a rosary just made for them. It's literally like seeing your baby hold hands with our mother Mary. And the rosary bracelets for adults, so beautiful and so well made. I have one myself and I absolutely love it. A really neat feature of the rosary bracelet is their bookmark crucifix charm. I use it all the time. If you don't have time to get through a whole rosary at once, no worries. Just simply use the charm to hold your place until you can come back to it. You need to check out Choose Life. Along with their many beautiful rosaries, Choose Life features a lot of other amazing products created to bring the faith into your home. Their newest product is a beautiful wooden baby gym. It's so sweet and the perfect gift for your own little one or someone you love. To see this and more, head over to their website, www dot C-H-E-W-S-L-I-F-E dot com. Use the code ABIDE10 to get 10% off your purchase. We hope you enjoy this episode. Well, hello, dear friends, and welcome to season 12 of the Abiding Together podcast. We are so excited to be back with you for another season. Abiding Together is a place where you can find connection, rest, and encouragement on your journey with Jesus Christ. And we have people from all over the world on this walk together, and you are most, most welcome. My name is Sister Miriam James, and every week I'm joined by two of my very dearest friends, Michelle Benzinger and Heather Kim, and we speak about what the Lord is doing in our life, the movements of the Holy Spirit, what is breaking our hearts, what is healing us, and where the Lord is leading us to deeper relationship with Him. So wherever you find yourself today, wherever that is, you are most welcome. So grab a cup of coffee, settle in, and welcome home. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Abiding Together podcast and our further delving into the wonderful, wonderful book of Dr. Bob Schutz titled Be Transformed. And we've been spending each week of Lent walking through these beautiful things. And we just want to say on the outset, we wish we could do this more justice. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. And I, I, I hope that your world's being rocked by it. I know every time I read it, it's so good, like so good, so good, so good. So today we're going to talk about chapter six and seven. And chapter six is on the sacrament of holy orders, how it heals the wound of confusion. And chapter seven is on the sacrament of marriage and how it heals the wound of fear. And there's just, gosh, there's just so much in there. But before we begin, Heather and Michelle, my dear friends, how are we today? Heather, what's what's going on in your world, my dear? I'm just, uh, I've been traveling so much like you, sister. I feel like I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> like I've like have a peek into your world, like what it's like oh, all the girl. time. I just got back from a trip Monday and then leaving again Friday. So it's uh, like a lot of back and forth, but that's been really good. And Michelle's been traveling and you've been traveling. So I feel like we've been all over the place and mm-hmm. not able to connect as normal, but so glad that we're here today. Yeah. Mm-hmm, How are you, mm-hmm, Michelle? Mm-hmm. I am good. Yeah. Like Heather said, I just did back to back trips and I'm not used to traveling. And so I went out to Phoenix for Blessed Is She retreat, which was lovely. And so then I was lovely. home for 24 hours and then left with my husband and his siblings and spouses. And we went on a little Caribbean vacation with my father-in-law and all of them to celebrate my father-in-law's 80th birthday. So, which was lovely, but getting out of the house so is nice. always, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it was a little 
shuffle, but it was lovely and it was so good. So now back to reality, but I like ordinary time. If you ask me now, like I, I like to travel, <laughs> but I love ordinary time just being at home in my normal rhythm. So mm-hmm. I'm, yeah, mm-hmm. become a big homebody. Mm-hmm. So sister, how about you? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not at home right now. So I was home for a few <laughs> days and now I'm not. So it's in the middle of a long stretch, but but I agree with you. It's the beauty of home and just the beauty of oh, the restoration. And it is also fun to have adventures too. So mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. there is a time for, there is a time for all things. So I am glad that we can, I'm glad technology enables us to connect like this and to be able to record in three different time zones right now. So, which is so great. Literally. Yes. Yeah. No, it's amazing. Yeah. All right. So dear friends, let's go ahead and just dive into this. So we're going to spend the first, a little section on holy orders. Then we're going to talk about the section on marriage. And one of the quotes that Bob refers to here is uh, quoting John Paul II. And he says this, he says, according to John Paul II, our rebellion against God's fatherly authority has permeated all of history since the fall. And John Paul II says, this is truly the key of interpreting reality. Original sin then attempts to abolish fatherhood, destroying its rays, placing in doubt the truth about God who is love. And there's so much even in that. But as Bob unpacks the sacrament of holy orders and the Father's authority, the rightful authority of God and the healing authority of God and where the enemy comes to attack that, I think it just opened up so many different places where we can see that in our own life and certainly in society. So, Heather, do you want to just kind of open us up and what were some of your thoughts as you read through the chapter on holy orders and the healing of the wound of confusion? Yeah, well, just to echo what you said, it's really hard to not just focus on one chapter at a time because mm-hmm. there's so much in each chapter that we could unpack. And I had a lot of thoughts about this chapter mm-hmm. and just noticing places in my own heart that I've experienced this, you know, where I've just felt a lack of trust in like, can I trust the one that is fathering me or that that God has, has put in this place, whether it be my own earthly father, because I feel hurt in some way, or there's been some disruption in our relationship over the years at times as normal relationships have or through spiritual fathers through the priesthood and I Mm -hmm. yeah I was thinking a lot about that just like how many failures we've seen publicly through the priesthood and how and also priest friends that I have who are such good fathers and such good priests and how hard that's been for them as well you know like I was just sort of like uh, sitting Mm -hmm. with a lot of it and coming back to the goodness of God that he can heal and restore all things and that truly what the enemy is doing is striking at the heart of who he is, who God is as father and our trust in him, just like the garden, just as this quote was saying. So those were just a few of my initial thoughts. Michelle, how about you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, just preaching to the choir here, folks, preaching to the choir here. But like, I'm like, oh my gosh, we cannot do this book justice because I was like, all right, we could spend like three days on this chapter alone. Mm -hmm. And it was just beautiful. And like Heather was saying, I really was pondering this one and marriage really deeply. And I think it's not a coincidence that we're doing the two of them together because I think they're two sides of the same coin, powerful sacraments. But I was really convicted. I have to say I was really Mm -hmm. convicted. Like each, the three of us here have a deep love for the priesthood, Mm -hmm. have a deep love for the Catholic church. And some of our dearest friends are priests that mean the world to us. On the flip side, there was a part of me that's, heart was breaking. We even had a situation this week. There is something about when a priest and the word I got was abdicates his authority Mm -hmm. that leaves a rupture like no other. When a father abdicates his role, it leaves a rupture. And that's where my heart breaks because I've experienced it and personally, and then we've all experienced Mm -hmm. it in the church in some way, shape or form. But then I like to echo what Heather said. I have to think 
sister, you've said it before many a time that Satan is a sniper and he goes after what's important. Mm -hmm. And I mean, Mm -hmm. the priesthood is on his FBI most wanted list pretty much, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and that is the priesthood. And so, Mm -hmm. and just what is our response when it comes to all of this? So just unpacking all of that. So sister, what Mm -hmm. are your thoughts? Yeah, that's true. There's just, there is so much there and the beauty of that there. And I was just thinking of just the depth of how God loves us and that he promises that he would never leave us orphans, that we Mm -hmm. would never be orphans. And you just see Jesus coming to earth and he comes to earth as true God and true man, not half and half, but true God and true man. And he takes on all of our brokenness and he redeems all of it. He's the new Adam. And then, you know, before he dies, before he gives his life for us on the cross, he institutes the priesthood Mm -hmm. and he breathes on them. And he, you know, the first mass, the last supper, this is my body given up for you. Do this in memory of me. And we see in the Catholic church, this unbroken line of succession to the present moment from Jesus Christ himself. And, one of you know the gift of I will be with you always. You know Saint John Vianney says the priesthood is the love of the heart of Jesus, mm. and so God keeps sending us this visible authority, which we see echoed in the family with with the Father, with the gift of the Father. Of you know I don't know about you, but when we think of a father's love, and we think of if we can even just imagine what a perfect father how he would love of the of the kindness of the strength of the attentiveness of the protection of the guidance of the wisdom of the affirmation of of the tenderness which with a father loves it's different than a way a mother loves when that's not there all of us feel a lack mm. you know all of us feel an absence and and you can see from the very beginning, like John Paul II is telling us, the places where the enemy has come to mar that, to, you know, the, the words of the enemy of, you know, God's not good. You can't trust him. You know, he's not, he doesn't have what's best in mind for you. You have to take it for yourself. And and then we come from that, you know, when Bob talks about on page 87, all of us become subject to that ungodly self-reliance. And it's like the same lie over and over and over again. And, and it hits up on all the places where... You know, we've had men in our life who haven't loved well. And so then we're like, well, what about this? What about this? And so what the Lord is doing through the revelation of the priesthood is giving us his heart and the unbroken succession, what we can rest in, that God's authority is always present and his authority is not violating. Mm -hmm. It's always life giving. Mm -hmm. I love that what you just said, someone to rest in. Yes. I was just thinking about that, like, as many people know, and I've shared a little bit about it on the podcast, but my dad has gone through some significant health struggles in, within the last several months and had a couple of uh, big strokes that have caused a lot of cognitive decline and loss of memory and, you know, all of that. And and in that transition, you know, I felt that loss, like as much as there's so much beauty in this season, and I'm I'm seeing a different part of God the Father through my dad, which mm-hmm. is in, in his tenderness. I also had this feeling of loss of like, I I mean, my dad was so capable, so, so good, so strong, like had so much wisdom to share and, and to go from having that to not having that anymore. I felt that feeling of like, gosh, I just wish that I had someone to take care of me, like in this, mm. in this place and that loss of like a place to rest, you know, there's something so good about the provision of a father when it's in right order, you know, someone who you're under their protection, you're under their watch, you know, so to speak, like their eyes are looking out for you and, and that they have your best intention in mind and their heart to protect you, their desire to provide for you um, and share wisdom with you. And, and I think that when that becomes distorted or when we've experienced hurt there, it goes right down to the core and it sets us in a place where we just mm-hmm. want to go, actually, that's not good. And I don't want to have anything to do with that. And we push mm-hmm. away mm-hmm. and we push ourselves into a place of isolated independence, I think. 
Mm-hmm. And and that's where we, I think, just like curl up like out of fear yeah. because there's been so much hurt there. And you can just see the enemy's fingerprints all over <laughs> these kind of wounds, you know, or even just situations mm-hmm. in life that that happen to occur. And so that's just one place that I've been bringing my ache for that to God the Father. Because I've said this so many times, but that catechism quote in 239 and it says there's no father like God is father so mm-hmm. even if it's just mm-hmm. a loss of like natural life circumstances that mm-hmm. are happening or wounds or whatever like there's no father like God is father and he's there to redeem and restore all the places where we're aching mm-hmm. for that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I was praying through this chapter and just what Bob says he says you may ask as I have What can heal us collectively and individually from this primordial wound of confusion and disorder, since the wound is rooted in distorted perceptions of the Father's authority and our rebellion against His authority? The Mm -hmm. antidote may be the opposite, restoring our understanding of His authority and humbly submitting to that authority in our lives. And then Bob goes on to talk Mm -hmm. about, I mean, that was just like, darn. That's page 88 for people if they're wondering. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then Mm -hmm. Bob goes on to talk about how he realized he had an attitude and a wound of insolence with regard to, you know, authority, like Mm -hmm. basically. And so I actually, you know, looked up the word insolence, like what is the definition of insolence? And I looked up the um, synonyms to it and it says like arrogance, audacity, but it says brazenness. It even says sass. And I was like, oh, Mm. I mean, when I read the word sass, I was like, oh, and it says cheeky also. Mm. And I was like, oh, ouch, conviction, like bullseye hit me. And it it reminded me to a time where the Lord really convicted me a couple of years ago before I really started praying for priests again, when I was really critical of something about the church. And the Lord really convicted my spirit. And it was one of those times where that conviction, it was like strong, basically, you know, like a good dad does like, listen here, little girl, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> pay attention to me. Like you're out of line, basically. And he said, Michelle, if you criticize my church, you know, this makes me tear up. He says, if you criticize, you will not see her rise. You will not mm-hmm. be a part of her fullness coming to revival. And, and I felt like Isaiah, you know, I'm a man of, or a woman of unclean lips. And, and with that, I just realized, yeah, Lord, he really convicted me reading this chapter is some areas of insolence or sass or where I think I can do it better. Like, are mm-hmm. really, you know, what is that? And the Lord, the really conviction of like, when I see these kind of incidences, I mean, I'm not saying be, turn a blind eye to, or not say anything about abuse or something that's severely disordered, but when it's a critical spirit and you know the difference, mm-hmm. you know, when it's mm-hmm. like critical or something else, when the Lord really said, will you pray? for these situations. But it was almost like the Lord invited me, like you are the bride of Christ. Are you going to be a helpmate mm-hmm. or a hurtmate? It's your, de- it's like your decision mm-hmm. on this church because that priest or the situation, like that's your groom up there. We are the bride of Christ and that's who we yeah. are. And I mean, and I have to say, there's been an awful lot of times where I've kind of hurt, not helped people just saying, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and that, and that's mm-hmm. hard to look at. Mm-hmm. It is hard, and I I so appreciate Bob's willingness to lead us through almost like a little examination of conscience as we walk through it. And yeah, it's true, and it's everything from outright rebellion to like the cool like self righteousness of I know better or I don't need that or let me just tell you how it needs to be done and all the places that we hide out because 
submitting and being open and we're not like like we just want to double back on what michelle said we're not talking about anything abusive anything like that because and that's that's the places where our hearts have been hurt and where there have many times been Mm -hmm. a lack of healing in the church because of that there's been a lack which is itself is also another wound when when the father doesn't do anything to right what is wrong that's a that's a double wound what we're talking about are the places of of true and holy and authentic authority where it actually heals us, where it's not contra our nature or contra our reason. It's something that brings us through all the places of confusion into, into wholeness and communion. And it's, it is, it's, Bob says on page 89, he says, how about the rest of us? He says, how well do we submit ourselves to the Father and to the authority he has established through Jesus? If we are honest, we all fall short in that area. And I think looking at those places, because it really is, I really feel like those are the places like the foxes in the garden, like in the Song of Songs, mm-hmm. the foxes mm-hmm. that come and And maybe for some of us, it's major stuff where because of our own fear or our own areas of brokenness, our own sin, we're like, don't you tell me what to do. Churching and tell me what to Or it's like, it's catastrophic like that. Or it's a little places where we're like, oh, I'm, I don't need to attend to that obedience. I don't, I don't need to be obedient there. I, I can do what I want here because Jesus understands. And, and yes, he understands, but all of us in our life have a decision to make. Am I going to follow what is good, true, and beautiful, or am I not? And, and I just see like every choice has consequences. And I'm like, oh, Lord, I please help me, help my unbelief, help my disobedience, help my places of my rebellion or the places where I just quietly think I'm just better and that I know more. Lord, please open my heart here because I I want to live in the truth of who I really am in your love. Mm -hmm. I I love that Bob brought up too that despite the sins of priests and fathers and those in authority, all of us, (laughs) uh, Mm -hmm. God God continues Mm -hmm. to move. Like God Mm -hmm. continues to pour out his grace through their priesthood. And that is mysterious. That is, that's hard Mm -hmm. for us to grasp. Like Mm -hmm. that kind of generosity from God that he would choose to use people and this is reflected back in my own heart, you know, so I don't want to sound like I'm being so hard on priests, but that he would continue to use us and continue to use priests even when they aren't living in the fullness of their vocation. And and that's sometimes we just like out of our hurt, we want to push away. And that's what the enemy uses. Like when we want to self-protect and that's so normal and understandable, especially mm-hmm. when there is an abdication of their authority in the right way or sometimes abusive behavior in whatever way. We want to push away to self-protect, but it, when we do that, sometimes we actually push away from Christ himself. We push away from the church. Mm-hmm. Like I've experienced wounds myself that has made me not want to show up like at my church or not want to show up, you know, to go to mass during the week or whatever it might be. And, uh, and, and what I've realized over time is that this is actually hurting me more, more than, mm-hmm. than the original wound, because now it's separating me from Jesus and separating me from the church mm-hmm. in some way. And so I've had to come to the Lord with that and say, God, like, can you please like hold these tender places that are hurting in my heart and also like keep me yeah. close to you? Like, don't let me wander away. It's like bind my wandering heart mm-hmm. to thee. Like keep me so close to you because I'm afraid Amen. that this might in some way, like not sever, but damage my relationship with the bride, like with the church. And Mm so I just think these are tender places and I'm just trying to share a little bit personally, but I'm also not doing a good job. I'm not doing it justice because I know many people listening have been really, really hurt and are in a place of pain right now in regards Mm -hmm. to the church. And I just, again, want to speak that word of hope that there's no father like God as father Mm -hmm. and he will not leave us or abandon us. 
and that he wants to heal and restore even those things mm-hmm. that seem impossible. Mm-hmm. Amen. And I think like at the end of this chapter, I think it's so good. And he, Bob uses the quote from Priestly Formation. It says, the life of priests and the spirit means their continuous transformation and conversion of heart centered on the integration or linking of their identity with their ministry. And he says, can you see why the priest must be transformed in him, Christ's healing identity and mission, first and foremost? And I think that is one of the beauty of, I think, the ministries that Dr. Bob and Sister Miriam do with John Paul II Mm -hmm. Healing Center. But there just has to be such an emphasis on praying for a priest and such an emphasis Mm -hmm. on their healing and formation. You know, Mm -hmm. like where that, like that has to be at the forefront of the church for them to come into the fullness of who they are. There, so that they can love the bride well. Mm-hmm. And just really praying for that and praying, like Blessed Conchita says, there has been lots of talk around right now like about revival. And I was really praying about like, what does revival mean in the Catholic Church? And I really feel like part of what it means is like what Blessed Conchita says, I think there will be a priestly Pentecost that we haven't seen before in the church. Mm-hmm. I think there will be a resurrection and I think there'll be a strengthening and transformation of the priesthood. But that begins with the power of prayer for us, the intercessors, the ones that go before Mm -hmm. them to pray, to birth that into being. And so just Mm -hmm. really praying for our priest and praying for those who have been hurt by the church, like Heather said, and praying in thanksgiving, though, for the gift of the priesthood and the gift of the Eucharist. They Mm -hmm. are eternal gifts. Sister, what are your final thoughts about the priesthood? Oh, gosh, I could tell you a million things. I just... The priests are just so beautiful, and that the dignity of that vocation is so stunning that God would entrust them with His own heart, that they would be configured to His own heart, that they confect the Eucharist, they they forgive sin in the name of Jesus Christ, they bring dead to life, they come and heal, they are they are a witness of the Father's love, they reveal the Father's love, and it's such a, an astounding and beautiful and incredible gift that God gives us through these these beautiful men. And yes, mm-hmm. the more that we can pray for them and uh, help them along the journey and to walk with them and to relate to them in healthy ways and encourage them and bless them and and yes, speak the truth to them and love whenever we need to do that. It makes the family healthy because when mom and dad are healthy, the church, you know, the family's healthy. And when the bride is healthy, the bridegroom's healthy. And so we we all we all need that. We we need to pray for our men and invest the best resources we possibly can in, in giving them you know, a, an opportunity to experience the full range of their, you know, heart as they walk into these places and that continue on. I mean, John Paul II and Pastoris Dabovobis, he says that the formation of seminarians and the ongoing formation of priests is the most important work in the new evangelization given to humanity. Mm. It's like a staggering call and and this is a great gift. It is a great gift. And so for all of our beautiful priests out there who listen that we love you. Oh gosh, we love you so much. Mm-hmm. And we just thank God for you. We thank God for the countless sacrifices that only Jesus knows and how you poured your heart out, how you've been good fathers to us, how you've healed us, how you inspire us, how you love us. We're just so grateful. And we, we just continue to pray, Yeah, continue to pray for all priests. Mm-hmm. And so proud of priests like that have entered into the healing journey and mm-hmm. allowed themselves to be loved by God the Father and come to a deeper understanding of their own sonship so that they can offer their fatherhood to, you know, us as spiritual children. Like I'm so proud of so many priests and seminarians that I know that have just recklessly abandoned their pride and entered into Mm -hmm. a healing journey and 
it's been really beautiful to watch. Mm-hmm. 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 Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, and I think, you know, part and parcel, uh, as Michelle was saying earlier, that the, the gift of the priesthood and the gift of marriage, you know, really go together. It's, you know, two particular ways of loving and both are healing. And so we're going to move into the next chapter on the sacrament of marriage of, of God's faithful love and how holy matrimony heals the wound of fear. And in that, the gospel of Matthew chapter 19, verse six, where Jesus says what God has joined together, no human being must separate. And so I just want to maybe open the discussion, maybe for you, Michelle, first of all, both of you and Heather, in, just in sacrament of the experience of your own marriages to your husbands and just the healing, the wound of fear and what God is doing. And as he continues to you know, walk these places out in the icon of your living love, what were some things that stuck out to you, Michelle, as you read through this chapter? Yeah. I mean, once again, Bob does such a good job and we're not going to do it justice. Um, how many times are we going to say that? About a hundred? Mm-hmm. But I love how he opens this chapter about the original innocence that John Paul II talks about in Theology of the Body. Like that, that is our innate design is this original innocence. It's us back in the garden and that we've been in Genesis right now in the daily readings and mass. And for me, like Eden is my word of the year. So I've been in Genesis a lot and I've been in theology of the body a lot. And I just realized even through this chapter, like once again, like the one on the priesthood hit me and then the one on marriage, but that it heals the wounds of fear. I was like, oh, are you freaking kidding me, Lord? Like, come on. Because I think that is one of the things that one of my prime wounds is fear. And it's Mm -hmm. coming up every which way in the last couple of weeks, you know, every which way. And it's like, as I go deeper into like my original design or my original innocence, it's like these deeper areas of fear that I kind of knew were there, but I did not know were there. You know, it's like, it's almost like it's a glacier underwater, but then now the water has receded back and you can see how freaking big that glacier is. And it was like, darn, Mm -hmm. that's a big old glacier. And like areas that I don't want Chris to see me in. It's that humbling thing like, oh, I thought our marriage is good and it is good, but there are still places that I'm hiding in marriage. There are still places that I don't want to be seen in marriage. And Bob's whole part on this chapter about the inner vows that you make, where you think Mm. that you make them because you're good or virtuous. And it was like that whole part. I'm like, that wasn't in that the chapter when I read this before. Like, it, I just <laughs> promise you that wasn't there. And the Holy Spirit really convicted me of some inner vows that I had made. And really realizing that going back to like, I wasn't loving freely. I was loving to see what I could get. Mm. Not even to receive, but what to grab and to get. And it was just hard. It was hard to look at. And once again, it goes back, am I being a helpmate or a hurtmate? You know, I'm like, well, shoot, I'm not loving the church very well. I'm not loving my husband very well. I'm like, there's just lots of room to grow right here. Lots of it. So it was convicting, but beautiful, beautiful. Because like John Paul II says, school of love. We're just learning. We're just learning and growing. So Heather, what about you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, school of love, and sometimes we want to ditch school. Let's be honest. <laughs> like, can I, have a ditch? I want to skip school, skip that class. <laughs> can I have a ditch day? Like just every now and then, you know? Yeah. yeah, because it's hard. And the reality is, you know, it's two people coming together with their own story, with their own mm-hmm. wounds, with their own hurts, with their own sin, with their own backgrounds and ways of relating that have come from their whole family story, you know, and Bob talks about this, like in regards to fear bonds, which I thought was like, just Mm. a beautiful section, which we should talk about. But I think that's one of the things that has been really fruitful for Jake and I is to really understand each other's stories. 
what we already were coming to the marriage with because mm-hmm. there's a lot. And I feel like for Jake and I, it's like, oh, we have the perfect storm of wounds, the way that those come together. And and I think like just knowing what God's desire, his design of marriage, like what it's supposed to be, you have to hold that at the forefront of your mind at all times. Like this is the goal. This is the plan. This is the hope for marriage is that it would be a school of love where we can experience healing where we can experience the intimacy and and that it really becomes an icon, like a window that we look through and understand Trinitarian love. But that is not easy, friends. It's not Mm-mm. it's not easy by any stretch. So to be able to hang in there in the midst of two people getting disrupted and hurt and hang in there as fear gets triggered, I mean, that's the only way towards healing is to stay. Mm -hmm. is to stay when you get so triggered and hurt and continue to keep pressing in. Amen. Mm. Oh, ladies, these are such sacred places and just both of your hearts and for all of our listeners who are married or who have been married. And I'm sure everybody's thinking of places in their own marriage right now of experiencing that of, of wanting, you know, to hide or wanting to run away or wanting also, and wanting the experience of a love that lasts a lifetime. And I, I think that's why, for every single person on earth, why marriage will never cease to be fascinating for us and beautiful for us. I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. I, we've all been in the back of church waiting to go to confessional Saturday afternoon and watching a couple, you know, after their mar- at their wedding, take pictures and you don't even know them, but you just smile <laughs> and you're like, yes. Oh man, that's awesome. Like you go, like, I, I wish the best for you. All of us, you, you just go out for a walk and you see, you know, a couple taking pictures. Like you just want what's best for them. Like you want mm-hmm. them to succeed and you want, and, and then like you both said so beautifully, like, all of us come to our stories, you know, vocations too, or religious life or the priesthood, all of us come to our stories, our, our, our vocations with stories. And gosh, man, don't we all have in every way we're giving ourselves in love, we all, that decision over and over again, will I press in or will I run away? Will I press in or will I run away? And mm-hmm. that is heroic. That is, that's, that's heroic. And I, on page 107, Bob talks about that in his own, like, he, when he and his wife went some some difficult years of their own marriage, and he, you know he really admits their marriage had a lot of ups and downs. But in in some of their most, like crisis that time, maybe that they thought they were going to get divorced. In number one hundred seven, he says, page one hundred seven, he says, "I remain deeply grateful for God's intervention during that most difficult year of my life and our life together as a married couple." He says, in saving our marriage, he also preserved each one of us from the devastation of continuing the cycle of broken hearts and broken relationships. He says, during that year, the Holy Spirit began to show me that like Adam and Eve after the fall, I was projecting my fear onto Margie, my wife, and blaming her for the ways I was not fulfilled. He also revealed the gaping wounds of fear and mistrust that were buried beneath my judgments and fearful vows. And isn't it always those deeper places of the gaping wounds that that then are armored up by all these other things that just keep playing themselves out over and over and over again. And, and that's why marriage is a sacrament. Why it's, it needs grace is because it's the grace of God that comes into those places as each person presses in to those, yeah, to those Mm -hmm. places. I just find myself just being aware again of people who might be listening, whose marriages have fallen apart or Mm -hmm. whose parents' marriages have fallen apart, which Mm -hmm. Michelle, you've spoken of that in your own life and just how deep these wounds go. And it's hard to even hear probably us talk about this because, you know, in many ways we're talking about the ideal of marriage where two people, even in their brokenness can come together and they both desire to love well, but that isn't always the case. Sometimes people don't desire 
to love well and and they're not open to change and and that results in in brokenness and i and i still believe that marriages can heal even those wounds just watching other people mm-hmm. be married and live that out beautifully like michelle actually watching you and chris has been really healing for me like mm-hmm. uh, me too. You, you guys yep. are two broken people but like the way that you've mm-hmm. come together and pursued each other and the way mm-hmm. that chris sees you and makes space for you to dream and makes space for you to grow and like has been a place of restoration of even what you saw in your parents' marriage. Like that's been so healing for me to watch how you guys interact and, and have been like pursuing each other over the years, you know, like uh, thankfully I've been very close like Mm -hmm. to you to be able to peek inside in places that, that maybe not a lot of people see. And, and so that's just an encouragement I want to say to people who have experienced a lot of brokenness in regards to marriage. Like, is it possible to open your heart to the beauty of someone else's marriage to be a sign mm-hmm. of healing and God's love for you. Mm-hmm. Oh, thanks, friend. Actually, Heather mm-hmm. made me do it. She was the one that actually first made <laughs> me go uh, uh, meet Chris in person. But thank you for that. Yeah. And I, I think I realize Chris and I are doing a book study with another couple here in Florida. It's Dan Allender's book, Intimate Allies. And Bob mm-hmm. actually has a really good book on marriage too called Be Devoted. Both of them are really good resources that I'll link here. But there's a quote that Dan Allender uses for the premise, and I keep on thinking of it, and it says, marriage requires a radical commitment to love our spouse as they are, while longing for them to be what they are not yet. And it says, every marriage moves towards either enhancing one another's glory or to degrading each other. Mm. And I just think about that often. Like, am I enhancing Chris's glory or am I degrading when I just, even when I create self-protective walls, like, let's be honest, people, the two becoming one is a mystery and there's a risk of attachment because Mm -hmm. this person here is the, like this person can bring your greatest healing, but also he can wound you like no other, like, Mm -hmm. because he is that close. And like, I mean, Chris and I have talked before, like, he's like, I really want you to let me in some areas. And I'm like, but if I let you in and you hurt me here. I won't recover, you know, and with my backstory, I'm always looking like, okay, how do I survive if the situation goes bad? <laughs> like, like my survival instincts and where the father has teaching me, like you allow yourself the risk of a loving, the risk of attachment, and I will be the one that's there no matter what the father will be, you know, and it's just that, but you know, y'all, the word vulnerable comes from the Latin word vulnus means to wound. So with Mm -hmm. this vulnerability comes this great opportunity to be wounded, but that is how we love. Like we love openly and woundedly saying that caveats that there are still boundaries that have to be had. I think for Mm -hmm. women, I think part of us is we have to learn to love ourselves well so we can love others freely Mm -hmm. and to be able to receive the love. And I think Bob gives beautiful tools about communion and how to communicate. Sister, do you want to go through those? Because you've seen Bob teach those before, you know, which I think are so helpful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, this, he elaborates on this very deeply in his book, uh, Be Devoted, but he talks about uh, areas of communion and the means of communicating. And I just think I just watching him teach this is just really beautiful. And he does lead marriage retreats also called Unveiled. And you can go to them in person or you can also watch online. So that might be something maybe if you want to look at their website and just to kind of see if there's anything up 
upcoming that you might be interested in attending either virtually or in person. It would just really bless you. But he talks about five areas of communion for married couples. And you can see the graph on page 111. And he talks about spiritual unity, emotional intimacy, companionship, teamwork, and sexual intimacy. And then the means of communicating of, of spiritual unity being praying and worshiping, uh, emotional intimacy, listening and expressing, companionship, working and recreating, teamwork, submitting and decision-making, and sexual intimacy, expressing affection and lovemaking. And so he talks about how those build on one another. And 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 some and you might notice even as you go through these, if you're married, you can kind of look at some of those places like, oh yeah, this, this, this is a great part, or this is not, or this is an area of really pain, and then this is an area that we have that's really great. And I, I think when you walk through those parts of the book and just kind of look at that, that might be a place maybe just this Lenten season that it would be a great place to start of allowing the Lord to come uh, into those deeper places and build, rebuild and to re and to settle the foundation on the rock, which is, which is Christ. Because just like anything else in life, I mean, Heather, you can speak to this, like anything great in life doesn't just happen. It, it mm-hmm. takes, it's a, it's a lot of intentional work and a lot of grace and a lot of patience and a lot of compassion and a lot of accepting and a lot of hoping. And, and it's, I mean, it's not easy, but it's worth it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I would say, yeah. Yeah, and to call on the grace of the sacrament Mm. constantly. Yes, You know, like, it's not just two people randomly coming together trying to figure it out and make it work. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) there is a, oh gosh, like, this would have been over a long, long time ago, I think, for so many couples, you know, like, if we just, if it was just up to us, like, there is grace from the sacrament, like the Holy Spirit has been poured into our marriages and into our relationships and into our hearts. And and it's there that we need to draw the strength, the power, the faithfulness, all of those things that we desperately need in all of our marriages. We have to draw from outside of ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, even for women, I think a place like where we tend to shut down and self-protect and not receive anymore. That receptivity, we need to be begging God Mm -hmm. to keep our hearts open to receive. Because, you know, for me, it's a lot easier for me to give than to Mm -hmm. receive. But receptivity is a part of my feminine genius. Like for all of us, this is a part of our feminine genius. And man, is that hard when you're Mm -hmm. experiencing hurt or when you're afraid to stay open. Like I can't do that on my own. I can't. I suck at that, you know? So I need the grace of the sacrament constantly, you know, to be active and and also to trust that God has assigned like certain saints and guardian angels like for for marriages and to call Mm -hmm. on those those saints to pray for us, to pray for our marriages and yeah, it's so easy to think, gosh, I'm just in this alone or, you know, whatever it might be, especially when you're going through hard times, but Mm -hmm. we're not alone. And, and that's a place that I've found incredible comfort, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think Bob references it, the catechism quote in one of the first two chapters of the book, and it's catechism quote 1099, and the desire and the work of the spirit and the heart of the church is that we may live the life of the risen Christ. Amen. So there is nothing in our marriages that are dead that cannot be resurrected and brought Amen. back to life. The road to the resurrection is hard, people. You got to go through Gethsemane, Calvary. <laughs> There's a couple of pit stops before we get there, but that the Lord is, that resurrection power is in within us. And the Lord is moving and resurrecting within us, even today and even now. And it isn't a coincidence that we are doing the priesthood in marriage, because where are the two areas that I feel like are being attacked greatly right mm-hmm. now? 
It is the priesthood and it is the family. And it, mm-hmm. what is the, one of the visionaries from Fatima says, the last war will be the war against the family. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe it. I believe it. And just as like John Paul II was saying, like one of the primary things of the church of the new evangelization is the formation and healing of priests. I believe also it is the formation and healing of families. It amazes yes. me that a priest mm-hmm. goes to seminary for eight years, but we get six months of pre-cana, like, hey, do this thing. And hey, if four lucky, people, yeah. if you're yeah, lucky, if you're lucky, you yeah. know, and, um, but that's a whole nother conversation and caveat we can go out on. But it is just, yeah. yeah, yeah. It is just a beautiful thing, Heather says, to call in the sacrament. It is a grace and it is a foreshadowing and is a love story. And it's a longing, like we were saying. And I love that Christianity is a religion of longing and not laws. I heard that this week and I just thought, yeah, amen. That is so. And I was traveling back from the airport and Chris went to go get our car. It was just he and I, and he went to go get our car and I was waiting for our luggage. And y'all, this will make me tear up. And so I'm in Pensacola and so we're in Navy town. And all of a sudden this girl walks in and you could see her um, husband was hiding and he had come in earlier from being deployed, you know, and he was supposed to. And so he just called her, you know, and their reunion, she threw her bag down and ran across the airport and just ran into his arms. And he threw his bag down, you know, and the whole like terminal was just clapping. And I'm just thinking that is a foretaste of what marriage looks like. You know, that mm. longing, that desire to be communion, that excitement, that. And I was even thinking how they threw all their bags down. I was like, isn't that like just like Hebrews throwing off any hindrance of things mm-hmm. that's weighing us down to run our race with each other and toward each other and towards the Father. And that is what mm. he is calling each and every one of us to in some way, shape or form. And I just want to also acknowledge those that are not in a vocation right now single or married or whatever, it just to really like, this is such a beautiful and fertile time just to see, allow the Lord to really just espouse you in ways and really to love you fully and completely. Like this is a fertile time. Don't dismiss this time. It is a fertile ground for the Lord to love you. Yeah. I just felt that really strong in my spirit to say like, this is Mm -hmm. a beautiful and that you are seen and known deeply and loved and chosen in the season and in this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was feeling something similar in just for people who are married as well, but those who aren't like it's says in scripture, perfect love casts out fear. And mm-hmm. God is the only one who is perfect love. So as much as we're talking about, you know, marriage and what it's meant to be and all of that, like Jesus is the one, the Amen. only one that can fulfill all the desires to put that on a spouse or on a future marriage or on a, you know, an ideal or whatever is just, it's never going to touch all of the core places that we are desperately aching to be loved. Only God can do that. And so, and that's the invitation I think for all of us and sister, this is the vocation that you live is speaking of this deep union with Christ, which is what we're made for, which is what we're meant for, which is what we will please God (laughs) have an eternity and what our marriages are supposed to just signal, you know, is this deep Mm -hmm. union with Christ. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah, certainly the beautiful sacrament of marriage is an icon of of heaven. It's an, it's an icon. It's a window. It's not the end. It's a window into a a foretaste. Like Michelle, like you said about the beautiful, you know, story in the airport of, Oh, that's us going to heaven. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. us. And so I Mm -hmm. think, whatever experience that we have on this side of earth, whether it's, 
you know, through the gift of how, you know, God's calling us to love or whether we're experiencing a divorce or an annulment or just a deep devastation, or maybe there's a, you know, part of our heart, we're like, I'm, you know, never going to find anybody who's going to love me or, you know, sometimes we're waiting for life to begin, or maybe we've embarked on vocations and there's been a lot of disappointment. And I, I think we can invite the Lord into every single one of those places and just, you know, ask him to come and say, Jesus, show me, show me how you love me here. Lord, show me the truth. Show me what my heart is ordered toward. And that, helps us bring forth the deepest longing of our heart, which which ultimately is it's Jesus. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he's already there. And he's already there. And that's and that's a beautiful reality of, of everything, right? That's the truth of everything. So so yeah, mm-hmm. dear friends, wow, here we go. Well Heather, do you want to, as we kind of close this episode, do you want to share with our listeners your one thing for the week? Mm-hmm. My one thing is daily mass. I mentioned it in this episode, but truly, yeah, just been able to, I have had some changes in my schedule, been able to um, go to daily mass again. It's kind of at a weird time here at our local church. So just being able to make space for that has been a greater gift than I could have imagined. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Super grateful for our priests and for the gift of the the liturgy. Yeah. Michelle, mm-hmm. how about you? My one thing is a couple of things all linked together. Sister and I had the beautiful opportunity to be out at Blessed As She's Burn Retreat, and it was lovely, and it was amazing. And a couple of people that work with Blessed As She, Dr. Mary Ruth Hackett, I was able to be on her podcast, and we were talking about parenting, and that was really fun. So I'll post the link here, which was great. But my other parts about being out in Arizona, blessed is she, is that my college roommates were there. And Mm. like, there's something about being with people there was such a blessing to see him and it was such a bummer because I didn't get to spend more time with them. And I absolutely mm. adore my college roommates. And I also love the fact that they're not in ministry. Like I just mm. love the fact they're not in ministry, faithful people, but they're not because they make me better. Hu- they just make me a better human and they're just so stinking funny. But there's something about people that know you when you are getting married and making these major life decisions. And even though 20 years has passed, like we just pick right back up with our conversations and they know your backstory so well. So they can, you can bring them up to date really quickly. So it was such a joy to see like Darcy and Narissa and Natalie and Christine Polito, who isn't a household sister, but a dear friend from college. Um, yeah, just what mm. a blessing that is. And Sister Miriam was getting a kick mm. out of watching all of us. And so it was great. I, well, it's neat because none of us, you know, and the three of us, we weren't, we weren't friends as little girls. And so it's like always neat to see just like some of that backstory filled and of like, oh, I didn't know you then. It's just cool to meet people that knew you both back then or what that was like. So I, yeah, I got a great kick out of it. It was great. <laughs> uh, I think for me, my one thing this week is a, it's a book that actually talks a lot about what we've been sh- uh, sharing about today. And it's a book by Andy and Sarah Swafford called Gift and Grit, How Heroic Virtue Can Change Your Life and Relationships. And I think you're really going to just love, you can hear both of their hearts in the book of talking about fostering authentic relationships, you know, life's deepest questions, you know, what does it mean to really say yes to God, to remain committed to a relationship with God? And so I think that book will really bless you. And they're just a wonderful couple and they've got six kids themselves. And so I just wanted to offer that. That's um, That comes out March 22nd, so you can get it on pre-order at Ascension Press. And I will put the link on the show notes. So, well, dear friends, we hope this time blessed you. We hope that the Lord just continues to fill your heart and the graces of of just openness and restoration and humility and, and joy. And so thank you so much for joining us. And until next week, we will be abiding together. God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked it, would you please share it with a friend and leave us a review? 
We encourage you to head over to our website, abidingtogetherpodcast.com, where you can find all the show notes, links to our one things, group discussion questions for each episode, and beautiful coffee mugs, t-shirts, journals, and prints in our shop. There you can also subscribe to receive our weekly email with links to each new episode and all of the content. We'd love to connect on social media and invite you to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter so you can catch inspiring reflections every day. You're also welcome to join our private Facebook group and dive deeper into discussions with our fellow listeners. If the podcast has blessed you, would you prayerfully consider financially supporting us? The Abiding Together podcast is only available due to the generous support of our listeners. There are significant costs associated with creating this content, such as tech support, design, website, equipment, and hired staff that we need to be able to continue offering great content. Abiding Together is a nonprofit 501c3, and all donations are tax deductible. You can make donations of any amount through the Patreon website, or you can send us a check directly if that's easier for you. If you donate $15 or more per month on our Patreon page, you become a tribe member, and you will receive bonus content every month, such as recipes, music playlists, downloadable prints, and more. You can find all the information at patreon.com slash abidingtogetherpodcast. Thank you so much, and God bless you.